Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, says David, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. And what joy David knows. Because he knows God's forgiveness. His transgression's forgiven. His sin is covered by God and not by himself. So he's free. He's no longer worn out, no longer exhausted by his efforts to carry on as if nothing were wrong. Now he leaves behind that self-made religion of, I've got it all together. I've got this spiritual life thing licked. I live a decent, even a holy life. Just look at me. No, he leaves that behind. Because inwardly, he was tired. He was worn out. He was barely going at all. He is no longer, as Jesus put it, a whitewashed tomb that looks wonderful on the outside, but is full of death on the inside. He knows the joy of the gospel. But it wasn't always that way, was it? There was a time when he remained tight-lipped and silent and tried to give God the slip. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. The psalm presents us with a paradox. David tried hiding his sin before God, and God's heavy hand exposed it. God con- uh, David confesses his sin and exposes it to God, and God covers it. He hides it. He does away with it. Why would you remain tight-lipped then? Why keep silent? Well, you know, and so do I, that proud, fearful old Adam and Eve in all of us is afraid to admit fault would prefer to keep the works of darkness in the dark where they can't be seen. And as Luther said, the evil conscience sees only God's wrath, as if he was standing over me with his giant club ready to clout me. And so the old Adam wants to hide. But there is another kind of affliction, another kind of wasted bones and dried up strength that leads to a silence before God all the same. It's not so much that I feel God's heavy hand bearing down on me, pressing me to seek his grace, but that I don't feel anything at all. I feel kind of numb. I'm just going along, more or less indifferent, numb to God's word, his word of law and gospel, even, dare I say, bored with it. And so lacking joy that David had in what Christ has done for us. Now, historically, the church has a name for this. In Greek, it's Arcadia, Arcadia, if you anglicize it, better known as sloth amongst the seven deadly sins. But it's much more than just laziness, as we might think of it. As prominent theologian Dr. Harold Senkbal explains, translated most commonly as sloth, Arcadia seems more like a bad habit than a sin, 
No one likes a slacker, of course, and laziness, whether on the job or in personal responsibilities, certainly leads to waste and unproductive behaviour. But the ancients saw much more in Arcadia than mere laziness. One could say they saw beneath mere sloth and laziness to its underlying cause, disappointment with and spiritual disaffection from God's divinely ordained gifts, be they in the realm of creation or redemption. And he goes on to say that it has a deadening and deadly effect. So in the realm of creation, in the world of our vocations, in the world the ways in which God has called us, we can be tempted to akedia, bored with our vocations, robbed of gratitude and joy to God for them, and so reluctant to serve our neighbor in our family, in our work, in our community, to serve our students, to serve our professors, to serve each other. We can become listless and sapped of energy to perform our daily tasks. Perhaps more seriously, though, we become robbed of the joy and contentment of the gospel itself, the joy and contentment of the baptized who God approves of, has justified, the joy that stems from God approving of what I do because he's called me to do this in my vocation. Now, when Luther commented on a text in Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 3, which says simply, exhort one another every day, and there are, there are other texts just like this in the New Testament, exhort one another every day, Luther saw the temptation to Akedia as the main enemy. He writes, we must exhort ourselves with all zeal and, so to speak, stir up our sluggish spirits by the means of the word of God by meditating on it, reading it, and continually listening to it, as the Apostle admonishes here. Which brings us to the realm of redemption now, the things that God uses, the means of grace to give us life, and the temptation to be bored with those, to be disaffected from, bored with God's life-giving absolution, baptism, the Lord's Supper, His Holy Word, and so tempted to neglect them, to not use the things that God uses to enliven us. And so we are tempted instead to turn elsewhere for stimulation, for sense of what it is to be alive. The devil likes nothing more than when we get bored with the things that give us life, by the way. So unlike most temptations that tempt you to act in some way, tempt you to some vice, Akedia tempts you not to act. It tempts you to sluggishness and slothfulness, to not love and serve my labor in my vocation, to not pray, praise, and thankfully, gratefully receive the means of grace, but instead to yield to a bone-wasting silence before God, to let a spiritual lethargy set in instead. But whether tempted by the silence of the one kind or the other, whether fear and shame on the one hand or spiritual lethargy on the other, Psalm 32 shows us that our wasted bones and our dried up strength cannot be self-medicated. Do not look inward, says the psalm, but look outward 
to the God who knows your feeble frame and dependence on him for life and who calls you to life. For wasted bones and dried up strength, spiritual death and deathliness have but one healer, the one who calls himself the resurrection and the life. And this, above all, is what David in his psalm teaches us, that we have such a healer. We have a hiding place in the rush of great waters. However deeply or subtly sin, temptation, whatever it may be, may plunge us down. You have a God who preserves you from trouble, who surrounds you with shouts of deliverance, who cleanses you with baptismal water, who gives you rebirth, who declares you his forgiven child. You have Christ, your healer, forgiver, strength, who says to you, blessed are you whose transgressions my father has forgiven, whose sin I have covered. Blessed are you against whom my father counts none of your iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For you did not justify yourself before me, but confessed yourself a sinner. And I, who am faithful and just, forgive you all your sins and have cleansed you from all unrighteousness. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, now and forever. Amen.